Hi, I'm Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and you're listening to Clerical Errors Podcast. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. As you have just heard, this is from the Talks and Tasting Studios, and welcome to the show. Well, I knew this day was coming. Just one of those days where our schedules could not work out. And so today there's no Berg, although he'll be back next week. No Vicar, he'll be back next week too. And no Peter, he had to work as well. So it's just me, just you and me. So. Grab your beverage. I have mine. I have a Gatorade. Listen up, and uh, you're my company tonight. So, thank you for joining us. And you know what else that means? That means if I want to start off with a real talk, I can do it. Real talk. Peter, where are you at, bro? Not here. <laughs> it's my show today, baby. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about living in two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of grace by God's mercy. And we live in an earthly kingdom. On the one hand, God established a church, the kingdom of grace, to care for souls, and he also established earthly authority to keep us safe. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus explains that he builds a kingdom that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And at the heart of that kingdom, my brothers and sisters, is the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes this forgiveness of sin seems radical. You may see this in some of the parables. A king radically forgiving debt. A father forgiving his prodigal son who is nowhere to be found. Where are you at, Peter? (laughs) A shepherd leaving 99 behind and going after that one. Lost sheep. In this kingdom, the forgiveness of sins reigns. It is centered in the mercy of God. Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last about this kingdom. The kingdom of grace seeks not to rule us by force, but it changes the heart. Yes, this everlasting God in love gave up his son to forgive our sins. In this kingdom, the word of God leads us and guides us. It is a source of authority for what is true and right, for those things unseen. Jesus said of this kingdom, My kingdom is not of this world. And much to the chagrin, my brothers and sisters, of many of Jesus' disciples, it was not to set up an earthly kingdom. It was not to set up an earthly government. It was to set up an everlasting kingdom ruled by grace, where sinners are forgiven, washed up clean, 
and called saints. Throughout history, dedicated believers in Christ have suffered many things. They weren't afraid of death or what others could do. Because, bro, we got the love of Jesus. We are members of God's eternal kingdom. Jesus rose from the dead. This is why we have church. To usher these precious souls to Jesus into this kingdom of heaven. And in this kingdom, the word of God is the ultimate authority because Jesus has the words of life. Now there is another kingdom, the kingdom of earthly authority. This is also to be a blessing to us given by the order of God's creation. Jesus understood this authority, he said, Rend to Caesar what is Caesar's. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul talks about the government as a servant. It brings justice. It protects. It gives society good order. And it also comes from God. Jesus said exactly this when questioned by Pontius Pilate. He said, Pilate, you have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. The fourth commandment also understands its authority. For a child to disobey mom and dad, it means to disobey God. This kingdom does not really care about where your heart is. It cares whether you drive the speed limit, cares whether you pay your taxes, or cares whether you follow the law. It prevents reckless behavior that seeks to harm the innocent. It allows people to earn an honest living. And it brings peace. Whether the civil servants know it or not, they are God's servant for protection of your physical well-being. So both kingdoms are subject to God. Both have different goals. Both have different ways of working. Someone who has committed a crime on the one hand can be forgiven and be made a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom. Rest assured, Uncle Sam will let you out of jail when your sentence is up. Stop! I'm sick of this beat. That's better. There we go. What do you do about me now, Pete? <laughs> These two kingdoms should not be confused. The church should not seek earthly power. It should not seek some Christian-run government. And the government should not seek to be the ruler of the church. You see, when the church seeks government powers, it loses the heart of the gospel. It forces the forgiver to be the ruler 
It seeks to forgive the sinner on the one hand and punish the sinner on the other. It would seek to win your heart with grace and then seek strict adherence to the demands of the law. Doesn't work that way. The one hand, the government would do a horrible job being church. We've seen that. In the United States, we have what's called the Bill of Rights. And the First Amendment in that Bill of Rights, the very beginning it says, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. What we would normally call the separation of church and state. Now, this two kingdoms is close to that, but there's a big difference. The separation of church and state is just that, a separation. But the two kingdoms is a distinction, not a separation. And the two kingdoms shows us that there still is the same God who gives the authority to both. But one thing we can say about the separation of church and state from the First Amendment, at least at that time, the government realized that the state would be a horrible church, and the church would make for a horrible government. So this is where it gets a little tricky. What happens when the church and the state or better yet, the two kingdoms disagree. When there is disagreement, the first step for the Christian to do is this, is to remember that God is a God of both, my brothers and sisters. You see, in Acts chapter five, we had this kind of situation. Christians were charged We strictly charge you not to teach in his name. But do you know what Peter said? In a gangster movie said, we must obey God rather than men. Because God was the one who had authority. But Peter goes even further. He said, the God of our fathers Raise Jesus, whom you killed by hanging upon the tree. But God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance and forgiveness, and we are witnesses. Did you catch that? And it looks like I need a new beat here. There we go. So in these two kingdoms, they both received their authority from God. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, run to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Romans 13 reminds us, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him. 
So, you notice that these two kingdoms both receive their authority from God. And this is what's really important to remember. That although these two kingdoms are distinct, it doesn't mean they don't have a relation with each other. God rules both. So for example, something may be legal to do, but it doesn't mean that it's moral to do. Certain things may not break the law, but it may not be loving to your neighbor. The way that these two kingdoms currently are colliding with each other is in this. The government in many places are saying worshiped is deemed non-essential, making it illegal for churches to gather. When considering this, first we respect our governing authority and on the one hand, putting the best construction on things, the government in these instances are seeking to protect others and protect human life. Whether it's a good idea is not for this podcast right now. You can discuss that on your own, brothers and sisters. But Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. At Pentecost, thousands of new Christians from the very beginning, from Acts chapter 2, were told, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They gathered around Christ together. Jesus Christ is essential. And Christianity is not just between the independent believer and Jesus. The Bible says the collective church is the body of Christ. So what's a Christian to do? One, remember God is the God of both kingdoms. Respect the authority of the government. Remember we have a high calling as Christians to love our neighbor. Even more than the bread for the body, we need the bread of life, the eternal bread of life, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we seek to love our neighbor by being as safe as we can. We make sure there are safe ways to be church, to fulfill what God has given for us to do in a way that shows respect to the government and love for their neighbor. But if the government were to outstep its bounds and forbid the church from gathering, for an indefinite period of time and deeming the gathering of God's people as non-essential as it is happening in some states then we remember that we do not live by bread alone the church has always dealt with authorities who call the gathering of God's people dangerous Jesus was killed his message was dangerous most of the prophets of the Old Testament were deemed dangerous and offensive. Paul was thrown in jail countless times because his message was dangerous. But to quote Martin Luther, cut the beat. The word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it, 
He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone. Our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Well, I believe that is all I have for you today. This is not meant to be a solo show. I can only keep it real for so long. I'm tired, man. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. Like I said earlier, uh, Berg and Vicar will be with us. Peter will be with us next time. And I guarantee it will be a much better show. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please get a hold of us on f- Facebook. You can email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. And uh, you can even find us at Twitter, Clerical Heirs P, P for podcast. Thank you for listening. May you all be safe and healthy and your loved ones as well. And may your talk be real talk. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.